We are back on the Chosen Life podcast. I'm Jonathan the Cohen, Jonathan A. Cohen, the Chosen Lawyer. I'm hosting today, and my sidekick, my co-host, my guest. Hey, sidekick? I'm a sidekick? You get to be Robin today. I'm Batman for once. This is Robin. <laughs> okay. This is comedian Scott Falkenbridge. Scott, welcome back for a third week to the I've Chosen Life. liked it so much the first two times I came back for a third. I thought you were going to say I liked it so much I bought the company. Um, I think we both know that that would involve negotiations. Yes. Yes. As a lawyer, I can assist you with that. Actually, I do real estate <laughs> corporate when I'm not cracking jokes and uh, hosting podcasts. Yeah, you're going to help me by you. Is that how that's going to work? I'm going to help you help yourself. Okay. And speaking of help, mm-hmm. I want to touch up, get back to where we were off last week because you left us all hanging, and I was very, very excited about this. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the idea that somebody comes to you and says, Scott, I got this million-dollar idea for you. I'm going to tell you the vague nothings of it. You're mm-hmm. going to make it into something and execute it, and then we're going to split it 50-50, right? Sure. So those people yes. made me think for a second, because if I go on scottfalkenbridge.com, aside from buying the new albums, from buying the merch, uh, learning about your upcoming tour in 2024, mm-hmm. your brand-new show, Yes. Falcon Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. I do that every week. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's great. Yeah. It needs work. My singing is not the best. I have zero training, zero talent for it. Absolutely. And I actually even sang on the air, which is pretty cool. So people can laugh at me about that. Cool. But there's a little part in that website that I found very, very intriguing, which is not something you'd find normally in a comic website. It's the workshop section. Yes. It's your training sessions on teaching people on how to be comics, I understand. Yeah. And I found that really fascinating that you're going and you're mentoring. You're saying, I'm not going to keep the secret sauce for myself. I'm going to come and take you and I'm going to teach you to do what I do. Right. So my thinking is that people are pitching you that idea and they're like, hey, we're going to split 50-50. You can say, them, hey, come to my workshop right. and then you can keep 100% of it. Sure. Yes. Um, you know, I... The way I the way I uh, describe the workshop yes, is it's uh, sort of like uh, you know how there's a baseball fantasy camp. Yes. Okay. So we do the workshop in a comedy club. There's a lot of people who've always wanted to do stand up but never have. Mm-hmm. So uh, I sort of describe it like it's uh, sort of a f- fantasy stand up camp. So you're like the Reggie Jackson of comedy. You're saying? Uh, did Reggie teach? Uh, in fantasy, he comes to fantasy for the Yankees once. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. Well, I mean, th- that's that's how I, I describe it. I mm-hmm. I basically give people the experience of working a club, and we spend five six weeks working on joke. I just focus on jokes. I I don't really give many secrets. I let them discover their own, because. Uh, base, I give them basic joke structure. We force them to do stand-up every week in front of us. We go through things that could make it better. We ma- we help them find the way they want to do it. So I, I've had a class with very strong uh, like extremes in terms of different ways to do stand-up. I had a guy that talked to his own butt, literally, like he would bend himself into a pretzel and talk to his own butt. I had, you know... Uh, you know people would be good money to see that. Yeah, well, people do. 
because yeah. he does quite well. Uh, uh, he's also an actor by training, so he was actually... If he can wipe it without his hands, too, that'd be very impressive. Yeah, luckily he keeps his pants on the whole time. Um, okay, so they're paying yeah. less money now. Go very on. different show. Very different show. <laughs> That's a Sunday yeah. show. <laughs> That's a Sunday show. You don't, you don't want to go to that show. But, you know, and I have people that do more stories, and but but I help them find themselves uh, in... As stand-up, because that's what a stand-up is. A stand-up is about like developing your voice. Obviously, it's just the beginning of that process. But we've had some pretty good results with people having like six weeks of like intense stand-up therapy, and 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 having a really good show. Our shows, our grad shows, have been really strong, and it's it's fascinating for me to see people sort of find that and and do that. It's really cool. I got to tell you now, as somebody who is a Jubu. A, a Jubu? I'm a Jubu, yes. Okay. So in my, I talked about in the previous week, my book coming up, The Bible 3.0, where yes. we're teaching the chosen uh, commandments. Right. And I am a Jubu, so I'm a Jewish Buddhist. Okay. Grew up Jewish, saw a sign one day to a Buddhist uh, temple, said, that's a sign. And I went. Right. And I've always been interested in it, and I, I enjoyed reading the, the teachings of Buddha. So... From my background wise, when I hear you talking like this, I'm like, man, this guy's the Buddha of comedy because you're like, I'm like, teach me the secrets. How do I be a comedian? You can teach yourself. The, the lessons are within you if you can see them. Like <laughs> yeah. you are the complete <laughs> Buddha of comedy. Yeah, I could call Yeah, someone someone jokingly referred to me as the Yoda of comedy, which there I guess is the same kind of. Yoda and Buddha are in the same. Yeah, they don't have, a, they don't have any yeah. turf wars yeah. there. Right? They get along. Yeah. Not like the comics and uh, clowns. but. Uh, but I mean, honestly, it's just. It's just the way I, the only way I would know how to do it. Um, I, w I would never want to try to teach someone to do what I do. Um, and I, I've always hated when people say, you know, like, that's not comedy. This is like, this, there's no one way. There's no one way. Um, it's, it, it's, uh, it doesn't work like that. In fact, if it did, comedy would die because it would go nowhere. So you need constant reinvention um, for it to survive as an art form. And it does. It does very well because uh, there's, the way we're doing it now is very different than the way it was done, being done. You know, Wayne Schuster days. Wayne Schuster, who weren't stand-ups. But yeah, you're right. You know, or, or 20 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it is. What would they be classified as? They're not clowns. No. They're not Benny Hill, so... I don't know. Like I, 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 I think improv, improvisionist. No, I'm a, a two man. I don't. A comedy, the comedy, hmm. but just not. I, I find that funny men, funny, funny men. Funny men. I, I once opened for a comic who's you know known as an edgy. He's a famous edgy comic in the states. And Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, no, no, much more current. Okay. And uh, he said to me that. Uh, because the other act he'd had before him was trying to do very edgy stuff yeah. and uh, bombing in front of him. Mm -hmm. And so they, they asked me to come in, and he goes, oh, thank God, a joke guy, which I didn't really totally appreciate, but I, kn I know what he meant. Like, like, what I was doing was very different than what he's doing. Yes. And, but I was getting the audience in a sort of place where then he could do what he does. I, I once saw um, a conversation between Ray Romano and a bunch of uh, what they called alternative comics. 
you know, like, you know, like, uh, would an alternative, they, they're doing material that's really not mainstream. And like I, melodic death comics? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember. It, I'm just thinking of the genre of really music. They don't really use the like, term anymore. Like you have alternative music, you have metal music. I'm like, is it the same thing with comics? I think it's guys like Andy Dick and Andy Kindler and like oh guys, boy, okay. Guys, anyway, Potty Mouse. Well, no, it's I I I don't want to do a disservice to it, but they 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 they, they were doing comedy different, and it was like a, a newer trend. Yes, and a lot of what they did, I think, has influenced comedy. So I'm not putting it down. But they were kind of condescending towards Ray Romano, who was more of a traditional mainstream yes. comedian. And I, I just, I always remember like him just going, you know what? Um, um, what are you, what are you guys doing? And they were like, it's like alternative comedy. It's like alternative to what? To comedy. What do I do? Comedy. And then he goes, you couldn't do what you do without me. He's right. You define yourself by being different. I, I, it always just kind of stuck with me, and it was I, it was it was his way of I think saying there's a place for everybody, um, and I I I just kind of believe that. Everybody loves him for a reason. I mean, really, at the end of the day, anything we need to learn, we can learn from Ray Romano. I mean, there's a, uh, well, everyone loves Raymond. Uh, there's a lot you can. Uh, he's 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 definitely a smart. He was a smart the way he managed his like career and the way it worked out for him. Now you've been nominated several times for Canadian awards. Now I was wondering because you had a couple categories and you define yourself. So I, I there's stand up comedian. Yeah. And then there's improviser. Yeah, I started off as an improviser. So can you walk us through what's the difference in improviser and a stand up comedian? What's the difference? Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, so an improviser. Uh, is uh, literally making it up on the spot. That was the name of our improv troupe, On the Spot. Ah, and cool. uh, an improviser, often um, the idea is that to show it's you know spontaneous, you take a suggestion from the audience and you improvise off that. Yes. And, and, um, and you're constantly incorporating audience suggestions to, to be you know, funny and in the moment. And I... Like I did that for about twenty years, and it's what we're doing right now. It's a little bit of what we're doing right now. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that, that it was, you know, spontaneous and in the moment. And we're a stand-up now. Uh, in stand-up, there's material which is set jokes that you do yes. and you perfect, but there's also the, the set. Yeah, yes. there's also like you know what they used to call spritzing and what you see everywhere on TikTok today, where like. People are talking to the audience. That's obviously improvised. Yes. You know, so it's like stand-up can encompass, again, different ways of doing things. But the, the tradition of stand-up is centered on telling a joke. And the tradition of improv is centered on, um, uh, you, you know, making it up as you go along and working off other improvisers. Um, uh -huh. You know, in a sort of a more of a narrative format of some kind. And there's different types of improv. There's like, you know, improvisers that use handles, which are games, right? So, you know, if we were to do a one word at a time story, that's like a handle where I say one word, you say the next, and we tell a story together. Like that's a specific handle or we do everything in rhyme. Those are handles. That's like game improv. And then there's more sort of Harold-driven narrative improv where you're telling a, um, 
um, just doing characters and, and creating a, a story. And people have done full like plays and, and whatnot, improvised with, with a handful of suggestions. Where have you, you're a fountain of information when it comes to all this. It's amazing because I, for all the years, I love comedy and I've watched so many programs. I didn't know any of this information. You've got to write a book on this stuff. I'm telling you, this is actually gold. Like yeah. I would love to learn what are the differences, how I go about it. You know, I, it's getting me very inspired right now because now I'm thinking in my head, wow, I like improv. That's actually what I do. And right. that's pretty cool because I don't have to memorize a script and I can just freewheel it and have good. But it's the same thing like a rapper, you know, when they do freestyle it. But it takes a lot of talent to be able to think of that stuff on the spot, obviously. Sure. Yeah. And, and like the, when you teach improv, uh, there's like building blocks in improv. Like obviously you want to be able to think freely, but mm -hmm. there's also things like what they call like listening and yielding because the idea is you're building, whatever you're doing, you're doing it together. So you're, you know, listening and answering with another improviser and they throw out something and you always accept their suggestion and you build off of it. And um, so it's a different set of skills. Improv is very social. Stand up. I mean, it can be social, but it yeah. can also be very antisocial. Yes. You know, so it's um, uh, they're, they're just different art forms. I mean, nowadays there are people that come that do both and. Yeah. You know, um, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it was a good way to make a living for sure. So come back to the workshops part of it. Cause like my brain doesn't stop. Right. So I already come up with these ideas. I've had a deal now what I want to do for a sketch on your sketch show. Okay. And then I want to create a book series. Like, you know, there's a lot of things going on in my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you what I think maybe a very stupid or silly question, but maybe not. So I help manage a law firm. We have real estate corporate lawyers. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them as a young lawyer, I like mentoring them. And I tell them, it's not about closing deals, which obviously you have to know how to do. It's not about having knowledge, which you need to acquire. Certainly it's mm -hmm. about building relationships. And the yes. one aspect they don't teach you in law school, they don't teach you business school or medical school, et cetera, is how to relate to people. And I'm thinking if I want to teach them how to relate to people and how to be able to talk to people, I don't want to send them to a law workshop. I don't want to send them to a legal workshop. I want to send them to your workshop. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm going to send there and they'd be like completely out of their zone. And they're saying, what the heck are you doing? You're gone crazy again because I don't intend to be a comedian or improv or what it being. And I'm like, no, I want to teach you how to think on the spot, how to be able to perform and execute on stage. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I think anybody of any kind of sense, if you want to learn how to do public speaking or you, uh, you, know, you have a Bay Street firm, sure. uh, financial planners and analysts, et cetera, I think they would all benefit doing workshops with you. So it's good for developing... Uh, spontaneous thinking it's good for developing team building skills because mm -hmm. of the extent to which you have to listen to each other and you have to like you build a scene together right um, and um, it's also just uh, good for developing a camaraderie amongst the people that are working together and I've taught improv workshops for companies well, you have oh okay. yeah oh yeah like I, I see again I, I come with these great ideas it's been done. It's all been done. It's all been done. It's all been done. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I've taught improv. Before, I was, I'm doing stand-up workshops now. Yes. But uh, when I lived in Montreal, I did improv workshops uh, for kids. I would occasionally be involved in teaching workshops for companies. Um, and uh, it's, it's great team building. It's great. And also, it's just a lot more fun than a lot of the things they do at those conferences. 
Interesting, because I'm thinking generally, like if you take your team away for if you're working in a business or in mm -hmm. a company and you know you want to go away into a cabin or you want to do kind of some uh, a team weekend building thing for uh, and exercises, this would be a lot of fun, actually. It's something a lot different. And I would help you tell companies, you know, contact scottfalkenbridge.com because I think they would really enjoy what you're offering here. And that's pretty neat because I don't I don't see stuff like that out there. It may be done, but you're you're very comp again. You're the Yoda Buddha of comedy. Yoda Buddha. You're the Yoda Buddha. The Yoda. I should use that on my website. It's done. There you go. It's yours. All right. I'm giving up my rights to it. It's yours. Nice. Yeah. Just don't take Bible 3.0 or Jubu. <laughs> I don't think I'd pull off Jubu. It's it takes a lot to be a Jubu. Trust it me. Takes a lot. <laughs> First of all, you need the history, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, no, that, that, that's a that's a fairly fairly good title. We're trying. You're trying. Certainly. Now, as we're summing up today's episode, uh, we have come through a lot of breakthroughs today. Got to learn a lot about you. Again, Falkenbridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. Mm -hmm. But you got to have Bell 5, but it's going to be on YouTube as well. So Yeah, on uh, Falkenbridge is falling down at uh, FFD 2023 on YouTube. Keep an eye on it, folks. That's numero uno. We have the website, scottfalkenbridge.com, where they can buy the merch, buy your albums, yeah. find out about the tour schedule, 2024. Uh, do you like, do you, do you enjoy, some people, I, I have heard either love it or hate it. When you're ready for, ready for a tour, you pack up like the 10 suitcases, you have the entourage, the limos, like, like how generally, how do you find tour life? Do you enjoy it, not enjoy it? So once I'm out there, it's fine. I'd say the half hour before I leave the house is the worst half hour of my life. And then, but I, I don't like leaving the house. Uh, but once I'm out, out there, I, you know, I love it. I've, I've been, I guess the longest I've been on tour is about a month. Um, um, that was tough cause my kids were young at the time, but, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I do. And I do enjoy it, but it, I do kind of get homesick before I leave. Yes. And then, and then I'm, I'm fine. And, um, I do love it. I don't. The, the one thing I never got in terms of spending time away is those people on alone. You know that survival series that they live in the woods. On sur like Survivor. Yeah, it? yeah, it's like Survivor, but it's real. Except there's like it's three hundred people there with cameras and all that. No, uh, the real ones. No, it's they're they, they only video themselves. They're yes. out in the Arctic. Yeah. Uh, when it gets like minus twenty, and they're called cuckoos. But yes, I've heard of them. Yeah, the, I don't. That's the only thing I couldn't do in terms of, like that type of travel or being on your own but, but think about amazing race canada for example you and i right jubu in the comic and we, and <laughs> jubu and yoda and, and the hilarity <laughs> ensues and right. we have everybody rolling stitches i hope you learn you know how to drive stick because i can't i do drive stick okay we're good to go yeah and uh yeah we'll see if we'll be working well as a team i think i'd pay money to watch that one That'd yeah <laughs> uh yeah i i always wanted to do that that show you did it eh? oh yeah a friend of mine did it comic he did it with his son. Uh, he was on the last season. Oh, amazing. Yeah, Cedric Newman. I'm just looking for somebody who can drive stick pretty much, and I'll handle the rest. <laughs> I, I'll do the heavy I, lifting. I I'll do the cooking part. I'll eat whatever disgusting things they want us to eat. No problem. Right. I, got, I got all that covered for you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do drive stick. Okay. Yeah. So Amazing Race Canada, you watching? We're looking for you. Jubu and the Yoda. Now, for all future comics out there that are watching, they're getting really, really excited. They're saying, you know what, I, I'm going to live my life of being a clown. Maybe I want to do improv. Maybe I want to do comedy. Don't be a clown. Don't be a clown. So we're going to leave the clown out. No clowns. Yeah. Yes. So we're interested in comedians. 
We, we like to make people laugh. We sit in the playground. We make people laugh. We make our teachers laugh, our parents laugh. Sure. Somebody is now sitting there and like, I'm graduating high school. Mm-hmm. Think about going to university, but I'm not really interested in anything. I really like comedy. I think this is in my blood. I think I want to write this stuff. I have all sorts of material. Where would they, you, you meet somebody that's sitting with you at the pub. They watched you on a Sunday night. They had some fun. What, where, where, what role would you lead them down as far uh, as next steps? Uh, take my class. It's that simple. Uh, ScottFalconbridge.com slash workshop um, or levity.com workshop because um, that's where we teach it. It's you got a lot of websites, buddy. That's the measure of a man, the number of websites. Yes. <laughs> All right. I will leave I will leave behind many websites when I'm done. We need so many URLs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But like I would say uh, if you don't have, it's sometimes hard to take that first step. So taking a workshop is a really good idea. Like it just gets you going. And then, the I mean, Eventually, what you have to do is just go out there and do it. Like, go to the open mics and 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 you know find out what they are and pursue it. But um, it's it's not a bad thing to to for like a five to six week period get the basics, get prepared for your first set, and then get an experience to actually perform. That's a good start, you know, for most people. And uh, I, I I would definitely suggest doing that. Love it. Well, that's some great advice. Uh, Couple of rapid fires, just because uh, I have mm-hmm. some names that are sitting in my head, and I know people are gonna yell at me and chew me if I do not say, say these. So, because you've been out on the road, you've mm-hmm. worked with a lot of people, you've experienced life of entertainment. Curious, these names you've worked with them, not worked with them. Any thoughts you can give us? If I can name you like three, four names, off yeah, top of my head? I'll do my best. Okay. Did you ever work with Andrew Dice Clay? I did not. It's kind of before my time. I I know he's still kind of around, believe it or not. Sure. But, uh, you know, you can tell I'm kind of stuck in a certain time warp, right? Mm-hmm. With uh, Expos and Wayne Schuster and everything. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay, Ray Romano. So I did work with Ray Romano. I opened for him at the Comedy Works in Montreal. I was with him around the time he found out he was getting a show. And he had the, he had the typical sort of like Ray Romano, ah, it's, nothing's going to happen, you know. And uh, But uh, I was like, Ray, that's great. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. So it was sort of funny to watch him like – be dismissive of his own potential new success. Um, and he was a, a very uh, cool guy to work with. If Ray Romano hit you with his car right now, would he recognize you? That's a good... Uh, so That's my measure of, of, of yeah. knowledge. Um, I think he might go, like, if I'm on the ground about to die, he'd be like, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe. Okay. Uh, Mr. Howie Mandel. Open for him at uh, the Ottawa National Arts Center or Performing Center. Um, I did 20 minutes in front of him. Only, you know, met him very briefly once. He was very nice. Um, and uh, the show went great. Any hint of the germaphobe thing? Maybe well, we she- fi- I remember we fist pumped. You did fist pump? Yeah. He touched? I think we did. Did he connect? Yeah. I think he did. I don't, I don't think he's insane. I think he's just, you know, careful. My my alarm guy went to high school with Howie Mandel, and he hung out at his house, and they wrestled together. That's his claim to fame. Okay. But I keep telling him to connect with Howie, but he says, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to bother him. So I'm, I'm sure Howie's out there thinking, man, I remember that guy from high school. I always wonder what he was up to. I think he's pretty busy right now. I also, I, I, I know a guy a who, was, shows, who was the, his opening act for years um, and toured with him quite a bit. I ne- I, I've never really met him outside of opening for him once. Okay, that's all we know about Howie. And uh, last but not least, 
Guy's a little popular in these parts. A uh, guy by the name of Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld. So I have never personally met uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you two quick stories. We like stories. Yeah. Please. So one was when he was a comedian coming to Just for Laughs. This is before his show, I believe. Yeah. Um, he was well-known in comedy. And when he first arrived, they didn't know what show to put him on because um, it wasn't his time to perform yet. But there was a show called The Montreal Show, which was all local Montreal performers. This is about a year before I started. And they threw him on that. And when they threw him on that, um, he had a great set. When he got off, um, uh, he started talking comedy with the local Montreal comics who were, you know, they knew who he was in comedy. Yes. And, uh, you know, his manager kind of came over and did that thing where, hey, Jerry, we got to go. Like time. And he was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm talking. And he's just sat there and talked comedy for like a long time mm-hmm. with guys that were, you know, uh, like sort of hanging on his every word. and Like I am with you right now. Uh, exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, I always thought that was kind of cool. That, that That's how much he loved comedy. He would like, you know, if you were talking comedy, you were speaking his language. And I thought that was a really cool thing. Yes. The other thing is uh, one year he was supposed to do a fundraiser for a Montreal hospital. It was a snowstorm the last minute. And he couldn't make it in. And I got a phone call to replace him. And I don't know what he was getting money-wise, uh, but it would have been a lot. And they, it was all very last minute. And I had just spent three days at that hospital with my son, yes. who had been sick for three days, and they had really saved him. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to be there in an hour. And they said, what do, you, what do you charge? I said, it's free. Like, that's how, that's the state of mind I was in. Yes. It's like these people just save my son, I'm going to just go. And so I did this show and regretted it immediately in terms of price point because there were like 200 people, black tie, very, like I should have at least asked for something for sure. Scott Falkenbridge in the future, which Mason Rush would do as a wrestler. When they say that to you, call my manager, (laughs) call the chosen lawyer. Uh, I I can negotiate you more than zero, trust me. So anyways, there was... Uh, the, the nurses who had set up the whole thing, um, they they uh, they knew I had not asked for it. They knew why I had asked not asked for anything, and I you know I was just feeling it was like December twenty third. I was feeling very Christmassy. Yeah. And I went home, and the next morning the doorbell rang, and it was the same nurses who had set everything up. Yeah. And they had about, I kid you not, they had about eight thousand dollars of toys. For my kids, um, on December twenty fourth, all wrapped, and uh, they they gave me that uh, for doing the gig. How old were your kids at the time? So, um, so when I say kids, I'm used to saying kids. It was actually only my son. Yes, but uh, at that time he would have been three or four. You know, or if- two or three. If they showed up at my door at that age for my son with those amount of toys, I'd be saying, crap, 
I'm screwed now because every other Christmas is going to expect $8,000 for the toys. <laughs> I, that, that, that did run through my mind, and I probably did have kind of a, a bit of remorse in the following Christmas years. But I don't know. It's a nice story. I gave you a nice story. It's a nice story. What was his, his jaw must have dropped. Did he even, at that age, could he even appreciate that amount? Uh, so I, I, I don't think he would have appreciated. I mean, it was Christmas. He got a lot of stuff. Yeah. He was very happy. Yeah. Whereas, you know, my son at about 9, 10 years old, if he showed up, you showed up at his door with $8,000 with toys, the next day they'd all be on Craigslist or Kijiji pretty much. <laughs> That's my boy. So, That's, this is, Like he would sell it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? In a second. You know what? Uh, now my son would. That's like he's older now. Yeah. yeah, he's very money savvy. I remember when he was 3, 4, I took him to Toys R Us. He was such a sweet boy. We went to the movies and I said... I take you to Toys R Us. Pick anything you want, Jeremiah. It's your choice. No, I'm good. I just want to be with you. Don't worry about it. Right. That's the last time I ever heard those words. Yeah. But I really savored that one moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's it, right? You 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 crystallize the parenting experience with these moments that happen where there's like the height of pure joy, right? Absolutely. And uh, for me, that was that was one of them. That's wonderful. Well, that's listen. You've lived your chosen life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world of immunization is lesser for it, but the world of comedy thanks you for it. So one door closes, one opens. It's amazing the path you took and you're here today and you're spreading joy in the world and you're helping people and educating them and also making them laugh, which is not an easy thing. So we thank you for that. Scott Aldenbridge, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on The Chosen Life. Hope to have you back real soon. Uh, until obviously when it hits, when uh, Falconbridge falling down, falling down, falling down, takes off as uh, everybody loves Raymond. And then when you hit me with your car one day, you may remember me, you may not. I, I will definitely remember you. I appreciate that. Yeah. See you all back real soon. Thank you again.